one of the like quietest uh, Sundays of the year at church, but I'm so glad you came today. Thanks for making it not quiet. So glad you're here. Uh, so stop me if you've heard this before. It's supposed to start cooling down and feeling like fall here pretty soon, right? It's uh, supposed to. Um, speaking of cooling down or the opposite of that, thank you all for coming to our barbecue on a Wednesday night. We have a knack for just picking the hottest days of the year. I mean, a bunch of you are out there. It was 106 that day, officially in Boise, which uh, it was really hot. But we did have a mister out there to keep Greg cool while he barbecued. Better this time, huh, Greg? Uh, so thank you for coming. We're so grateful to have you. Uh, Greg, thank you for barbecuing, for being the master of the barbecue. And Pastor, I'll meet up with that. Mary Ann, wherever she is, thank you for helping with the kitchen. Did a great job organizing that. Uh, like clockwork. It was awesome. Uh, so thanks for coming. I wanted to make you aware of something uh, awesome that is happening next weekend. Next weekend, uh, next Sunday morning, our very own Pastor Wendy, she's receiving her ordination as a pastor in the Assemblies of God. Uh, yeah, give her a big hand. We're so proud of her. Uh, our network superintendent, Pastor Joel Winland, he's going to be here to present that to her. Uh, and we're just going to celebrate her as best we can. Love on her. So I encourage you to make it a Sunday you don't miss. We're going to celebrate her. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So please, please come next week. Uh, today, I want to do something just a little bit different than I usually do. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I'm going to go into, here in a couple weeks, uh, a four-week series on the Psalms called His Love Endures Forever. Uh, that'll be in two weeks. Pastor Joel, our superintendent, will be speaking here next week. I've invited him to speak. If you were here, uh, I don't know, several weeks ago, Pastor Kent, he was kind of the second in command at the network office. He was here. And we'll have our superintendent here. It's unusual to get them both within a short amount of time. So it's an honor to have Pastor Joel here. I encourage you to be here. Um, but today, I'm just, if you saw on the sign, I'm just going to flat out try and convince you of something. Of course, we're going to use scripture. And I know, of course, that only God can change a heart. Only God can change a mind. But I do believe that he uses us. Amen, right? He uses us. He uses our gifts. So today, I'm just going to talk to you about why you should come to church. Now, the reason I'm doing it now is because this is the time of year when people usually set routines for the rest of the year in September. And in America, the rhythm of our lives, it's often decided by the beginning of school, when our kids start school. And at the new year, we often talk about uh, these habits in our lives that we want to change. But in September, how we go about our day changes because suddenly... We've got, we got millions of kids throughout the United States that we have to get into school. Now, when you have kids, you really get to see, I know those of you that have raised kids, those that are raising them now, uh, you really get to see their little personalities come out as they adjust to getting up in the morning, going to school. Our boys are in this school that have, this, have these uh, four long days, 8.15 to 4.15. So long days for little guys. And in our house, uh, John 4 uh, he's the nine-year-old. He's the one that is the best in the mornings out of, out of the two of them in most cases. He's usually up uh, petting the dog or something, just, you know, quietly around, walking around the house in his socks. Luke, uh, the, the blonde one, the younger one, he's the one that takes after me. He's got the blanket over his head. He's like, I want to stay in bed as long as possible. You got to turn the light on, take the blanket off, and like, Luke, here's your clothes. Luke also... One thing we've noticed about him, he stubbornly tries to wear the wrong type of clothing for the weather. Like on the 106 degree day, he's trying to wear long sleeves to, 
to school. And then when it's five degrees outside, he's going to be trying to wear shorts. We're going to have to force him to wear pants. You know, when you change things around, their little personalities start to come out. Uh, I know some of you remember uh, when you were teenagers, the best change in routine was the first year you learned to drive and had a car and you got to drive yourself to school. Man, that was like the most important one, and you felt so awesome, and you could leave early enough. Uh, when I was a teenager, it wasn't super cool yet to stop and get coffee, but I would stop and like get a Coke on the way to school, <laughs> 7.30 in the morning. This year for our family, it's a huge change for us because, uh, as you know, last year we lived in CUNA, uh, and we would take our kids to school in CUNA at the school they went to, and then my wife would go to Meridian for work. I would come here. And we, were, we just left them there. We came here for the day, and then I had to race back at the end of the day to get them. And this year, their school is right in the middle of everything. It's right close to our house, and it's pretty close to here. And so our whole thing is all different. And what we find, uh, just like I'm sure you do, is that the habits, the routines that you get into at the beginning of the year, you end up, or yeah, you end up doing those every day or every week. You just fall into these habits that you get into, and then you just do them until the season changes again. By the way, we are into our new house. The stuff is there. We're sleeping there. I would not say it's all unpacked, but slowly but surely it's coming along. Uh, we'll have an open house uh, sometime <laughs> when all the stuff is unpacked. And I uh, invite you over. Can't wait to show it off to you. But we're all getting in these habits and these routines right now, which is why I want to talk to you now before you get too far into your routine about why you should come to church. Now, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir a little bit because here you are at church. <laughs> but as the weeks go by and it gets busy, remember this. This is why you should come to church. I believe with all my heart, I think I said this my very first week here, the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. There's people that are out to get the church and they think the church uh, is irrelevant, but I just disagree with that as strongly as I can. The church of Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus loves the church so much that he laid down his life for it. In fact, the church in the Bible is often described as the bride of Christ. We're going to just read the scripture. I know we've read recently because we just went through Ephesians, but Ephesians 5, uh, 25 through 27 says this. This is in the part about husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Christ gave himself up for the church, which he considers to be holy and blameless. And if he laid down his life for the church, then it stands to reason that it should matter to us, right? So this morning, and I know I'm preaching to you and you're here, but people can hear it online and we've got the podcast and all that stuff. I want to talk to you about why you should come to church, not only today, but why you should come to church, why you should make it a part of your routine and your habit. First reason is this, the river runs through it. And when it comes to life on this earth, on planet earth, water is something that has to be present if you want to live. Wherever there is water, there is also life. It's just a fact. That's the way God designed it. You can pretty much have a city or a town or a village or whatever anywhere as long as you can get water to it. Right? Uh, we, I always laugh at people who say the United States is overcrowded because they've never driven between here and like Reno. There's nothing out there, right? When they decide to get water out there, man, they can put millions of people out there. 
And contrary to that is that life is extremely difficult without fresh water. If you don't have fresh and clean water, you're in big trouble. In fact, over 5 million people die worldwide each year just because they don't have fresh water. So important. Something that's necessary for life. If you've ever seen a picture of Boise from the air, you can see it right there. You can see the trees and the life that go right along the river there, right? See how green it is? So that bridge, that goes right across by Boise State. That's the one we, we uh, uh, walk across when we go to Boise State football games. By the way, let's not talk about that. That was rough. <laughs> and you can see how life just spreads away from that, right? You've got the river there. On the other side of that is a whole bunch of green parks. You just can't see in the picture. And there's the foothills over there. Our church would be down there to the right. And just notice how dense it is right up there, right by the water. I don't think anyone ever went and planted those trees. They sprung up because life happens by the water. Where we live, we are so incredibly fortunate that we, unless there's a natural disaster of some kind, we don't have to worry about uh, fresh and clean water. They are worrying about it, uh, you know, in the southeast of Mississippi right now. But has anyone ever spent time down by the, the river just hanging out, recreating, a few of you? Something that many of us have grown up doing or being a part of. And not everyone loves the water or the river the same, of course. So everybody treats it differently. Now, there's a few different ways to experience the river. You got the people who they come to the river and they get to it and they just want to get as wet as they possibly can, as fast as they possibly can. Anybody in that camp in here? My wife should be raising her hand. Just as soon as they see the water, man, they are in, up to their neck. Like I said, my wife is one of these. One of her favorite things to do is float the river. We've floated the Boise River right there lots of times. I usually go along begrudgingly at first and end up enjoying myself. I'm convinced we were nearly struck by lightning one time. <laughs> Actually, it was right along there because you could see Boise State. We had started out, and it was sunny. It got more and more stormy. And I've said to you before, I can't really smell very well. And I know you can, like, people can smell lightning in the air. And this big lightning bolt came down and looked like it almost hit the basketball arena. And I could literally taste it in the air. And at that point, we drug our tubes out of the water and I walked the rest of the way. But you've got those people. They get down by the river and they just want to be in it. That's just what they want to do. You've also got the people who they just want to be next to the river and have their feet in. This is where I fit in. I like it down there. Oh, man, I love going. I will always wear my swim trunks. I'll always wear a hat to keep my head from getting sunburned. That's just a reality of my life. And I'm willing to go floating or jump in with the kids or throw someone else in. That's actually one of the best parts, throwing someone else in the river. They just want to be next to it, have their feet in. I'm likely to stand there with, like, my soda and my hamburger with my feet in the water and eat, you know. You've also got those who like to go down by the river, but they don't really want to get in. Or even get wet. They like to be there, but they don't really want to get wet. They like to be close enough so they can see the kids playing. They like to hear the water running. They like to laugh when people like me throw other people in. A lot of times, uh, they might be the ones manning the barbecue, right? They take the barbecuing job so they don't have to get in the water. But the thing about going down to the river is that no matter what, you almost always come back a little wet. No matter which category you fall in, you almost always come back a little wet. 
Even if you're category number three and your whole goal is just to be close where it's cool and do the barbecuing, you almost always can feel the mist where someone comes by and splashes you. And the reason everyone likes to go to the river is because often it feels better by the water. It just does. Even if you're not standing in it, even if you're not floating in it, it just feels better by the water. And you know one of the reasons, the biggest reason you should come to church? It's because the river runs through it. And it's just better down by the water. The river runs through the church, and it's better to be there. I really love what Psalm chapter 1 has to say about the river of God. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, I think we have it on the screen. It says this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of the water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Jesus says something really key, John 7, 37. They're having this festival where they're celebrating uh, what God is going to do and that he's going to bring the rain. And Jesus says this, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. See, friends, our world outside these doors, our world is thirsty. And at their core, every single person in this world is thirsty for acceptance. I believe this is why we see so much of people insisting that everyone must accept whatever way it is they choose to live. And as Christians, we believe we're governed by what the Bible says. But over and over in our world, friends, we'll go to the river of drugs and alcohol, and it always runs dry. Such a huge thing right now for people to go to the river, finding an identity in a different sexual orientation. We'll try and cool off in the river of physical things. We'll just try and buy anything we can to make us happy. But what the New Testament says is this, the only water that won't leave us thirsty is a living water that comes from Jesus. And when we do drink from that living water, the water begins to flow out of us. You see, friends, Jesus himself is the living water, and the river runs through the church. The river runs through this place. As we kind of stick with that metaphor of the water, no matter where you are in your journey of faith, hearing my voice today or online somehow or whatever, if you are all in and you want to dive in up to your neck, man, the river runs through the church. This is the place to be. If you like to sit with your feet in the water and just be around the things of God and soak it in, man, the river runs through the church. It's here this morning. If you aren't so sure what this whole thing is all about and why we sing the songs and if the Bible's even chill and all of that, but you know it just feels better when you're around the water. The river runs through the church. Do you have to come to a physical church, a physical church building to find Jesus? You don't have to. Of course, there's things that keep us away, right? I know uh, many of you have relatives or maybe you yourself have experienced a thing where your health has kept you away. 
It's one of the reasons we do online and those things like that. But if you are looking for Jesus, I can promise you'll find him here. I can't vouch for every other church, but I can vouch for this one. If you're looking for Jesus, I can promise you'll find him here. One more thing I believe that God wants you to know this morning. If you're thinking, here or not here, if you're thinking, man, I've been there and I've done that, done the church thing. Yeah, once I thought there was water, but I really don't have any idea what's there now. Maybe you are standing so far away, you can't tell if there's water in the river, you can't tell if it's running, and you're afraid that if you come back, the river's going to be dry. You're going to find nothing but rocks. I said this uh, a few Wednesdays ago. The thing about going to a dry riverbed, even if there's no water there, you know there was water once, and you know their water can be there again. See, one of the reasons you should come to church, friends, is because the river runs through it. The river of the living water runs through it. Another reason why you should come to church, number two, is that we need each other. We need each other. You see, I think one of the greatest lies of the world, one of the greatest lies of the enemy, one of his greatest lies is that we don't need anyone else's help in this life. In fact, uh, the enemy would like you to think that if you rely on anyone else at all, it's just going to end up in you getting hurt, so you might as well isolate yourself. Yeah, all day. And in a sense, there might be a small bit of truth, right? Because every human, there's no perfect humans, every single one on earth will let you down at some point. But at the same time, right, all of us, the Bible says, are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every single one. And each of us, each of you have more to offer to those around us than we can possibly imagine. And yeah, you might have a differing opinion on something or possibly, probably even many things. But I am here to tell you in my 42 years on this earth, one thing I've experienced is that God did not make us to be alone. Life is better together. It is better together. Jesus said something so important, Matthew 18, 20. We quote this all the time. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And I don't care how powerful you think you are, you can't be two people. And it says where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Church, I think something that we need to remember always as God's people is that Jesus still shows up when we gather. When we come together, we walk in these doors, and we worship his name, and we pray, we go through his word. Jesus still shows up when we gather. And as friends and as individuals and as a church, we can go much further together than we can ever go alone. So I want to speak briefly to uh, three different groups this morning. I'm trying not to keep you too long. Three different groups. I want to speak first to those who you have been coming to church for what seems like forever. You can't remember a day when you weren't in church. I actually kind of fall in this group, although I'm not that old yet. Yeah. Man, I'm talking to the group of people. When it comes to church, you have seen just about everything. You remember when part of being a good Christian meant no bowling alleys, uh, no playing uh, with playing cards. No going to movie theaters. Uh, no, what do they call it? Mixed bathing when you swim with people of the opposite sex. You remember all that stuff. 
You've been through changes in clothing styles, music styles, building styles, carpet colors. Man, you've served the Lord faithfully through life-altering events, world-changing wars. Man, you saw the pandemic and you're like, this is like the 10th thing in my life I've been through like this. We'll get through it, you know. That's you. But I believe this morning there's a couple things you should remember if you're in that group. You've been coming to church as long as you can remember and you know the Lord. First thing I think we should remember is that because of the experience you have, you have wisdom to share that can only be gained the way you've gained it. And it's something the Lord has been kind of impressing on me lately uh, when it comes to perseverance is you only gain perseverance over time. You can't gain it all in one day. And wisdom is kind of the same way. You can seek after it, but you can't gain it all in one day. And there is certain understanding that a bunch of you in this room have that comes from serving the Lord for 30 or 40 or 50 years. And the only way you can get that wisdom and understanding is by serving the Lord for 30 or 40 or 50 years. And those of us that are younger than them, man, we would do well to sit at their feet and listen. That wisdom that they have, that you guys have, is something that all generations that are coming after you desperately need. We need to hear from you how you get through a time like we just had in the pandemic. We need to hear from you how you survive the different ages of your kids. We need to hear from you how you survive, how you go through health crises in your family and serve the Lord at the same time. I know it might not seem, uh, people who've been serving the Lord for a long time, I know it might not seem like the younger people are listening. It does seem like that a lot of times. But I can promise you oftentimes they are. I can say this about our daughter Christina because I've said it to her. She's not here before. I don't know if she'll hear this or not. Man, there were so many times when we said something to her and we're like, that went in one ear and right out the other. And then two years later, she'd regurgitate it word for word. And these people that are younger, they might, you might feel like they're tuning you out, but they're hearing you. Your wisdom is making a difference. The principles that you live and teach, they'll come back when the chips are down. Another thing I think you should remember if you're in that boat is that no matter how long you've been at it, how long you've served God, the love and the grace and the life of God is endless. I don't know a single person that would say they have found the bounds of God's grace. Nobody has. Ephesians 3.18 in the NLT, it says this. I love this verse. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Man, if you've been serving the Lord your whole life, the reason you should keep coming to church is that God would have you know there is still more. How wide, how long, how deep. We need each other. We do, and we need you. I want to talk next to those of you who, uh, you're in a similar season of life to Chandra and I. Those of you who you would say simply, if you're honest, life is really busy. You get two little maniacs running around your house, life is really busy. And we experience firsthand how hard it is to get a lot of stuff done trying to move when you've got these two coming behind you just undoing everything you just did. <laughs> those who we were just talking about, they can nod knowingly and they're like, yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> it's quiet now, but I remember those days. 
you're here and you're in that category, this is, I'm not going to stand here and give you all this life advice or pretend I know exactly how every one of your days should go or how you should structure every part of your life. But I am your pastor. I'm the pastor of this church, so I will talk to you about church. Have you ever uh, heard someone say something that at first seemed a little too severe and therefore you just dismissed it? But the longer you thought about it, the more true it seemed. The pastor of our last church, Pastor Stan, uh, he said something in a message once that it was one of those things. He said something like, if your kids are more surprised when you go to church than when you don't, then you've got a problem. And for sure, I agree with that sentiment, but at first it seemed a little bit too cut and dry. Yeah, you know, you don't know what people have going on. But the more I thought about it, the more it just seemed true. <laughs> it is true. Because it's just of the utmost importance that we make coming to the house of God a regular part of our routine. I'm not saying there aren't, I'm not being legalistic here. I'm not saying there aren't occasional weeks when life or sports schedules conflict or seasons of life where it gets tough to juggle all the parts of your life or one of your cars breaks down and you can't get from work to church uh, on time. Now, some of you remember I missed a Wednesday night, uh, the only one I missed all year, uh, where we weren't out of town for John Ford's last baseball game in the spring. Because when we sign our kids up for stuff, when I, I call and I sign the kids up for sports, I'm like, hey, they can't do stuff on Wednesdays. By and large, they can't do stuff on Wednesdays. And so I make sure they put them on a team if they can that doesn't have practices on Wednesdays, no games on Wednesdays. That was a tournament game. It was his last game. So, um, you know, I went. I was technically a coach. But my parents, the, the reason I learned that is because my parents did something so important for me when I was young. Um, they made sure that my sister and I, we knew that God, and by extension, being in God's house, was a bigger priority than anything else. And they didn't do it by just saying, you should go to church. Man, they lived it. Every time those doors were open, man, we were there. My dad's office, and I went to school at a Christian school at the church there, and my dad's office was a mile away, and Many times I would walk to school, walk down to his office after school, wait for work to get over, and we'd come back to church. Calling back on that metaphor, that we, the river metaphor from a few minutes ago, rain or shine, man, my parents took me to the river. It could be rain and cats and dogs, and we went to the river. And 75% of the Wednesdays in high school, probably, and I talk to you about sports all the time, I ended up at church straight from some type of sports practice. Smelly and dirty, having just eaten McDonald's, I'm sure. And, you know, it didn't make me, uh, going to church every single Wednesday and Sunday or whenever, it didn't make me some kind of super Christian. It didn't. I was not a perfect teenager, none of that. But it did surely put me around a group of kids my age that were good news. And what it did do is... Uh, the first few weeks of college when I was on my own, uh, I went to Seattle to a Bible college up there. But I'll tell you a secret about Bible college. Most of those kids don't go to church on Sunday. <laughs> I hate to tell you. But the first few weeks of college when I was on my own, it felt foreign for me to not be at church on Sunday and Wednesday. I was like, what am I doing? Donna, college kids, they take some time uh, and wander before they settle in and, you know, I course had my issues but this church was not a thing here's my story I, I went to uh, Seattle Kirkland a suburb of Seattle right and 
Uh, you go to this school called Northwest, and all the churches kind of, they just descend because they want to, like, pluck all the college kids to help, right? So my first week, I went to this big, massive church called Cedar Park, and I had hated it. <laughs> Hate is maybe too strong a word. I did not like it. It's actually the church my wife went to the whole time up there. They had a really strong Bible quiz program. She loved it, got plugged right in. Then this youth pastor took me to lunch, uh, Pastor Alan Ehler. He asked me if I wanted to come uh, help in their youth group. And he, they had a kid that had grown up in their youth group, and he was kind of like gathering us all up, right? He took us to lunch and went to this church called Neighborhood Church. Man, I kid you not, I did not miss a Wednesday or a Sunday when I was there. It's just because that's what I did, right? My parents had shown me that, man, you go to the river. You see, what happened is my parents, they lived out this vital piece of scripture for my sister and I. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up on the habit of meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, when I first went up there, my parents sent me without uh, the, the car that I had that was theirs. Wanted me to, like, you know, do good at my classes, not be distracted. Amen. And I begged and begged and begged for them to let me have my blazer up there. Not so I could do anything but get myself to church when I wanted. I was frustrated having to try and get a ride. Again, just because that's what they taught me to do. But my sister and I, we learned week by week the two things that Hebrews chapter 12 teaches us. Two things that all of us should teach our kids. I'm not sure if they'll be up on the screen there or not, but... Hebrews 12, 24 and 25 teaches us these two things. How to love and encourage each other within the context of the church. Spurring one another on toward good deeds. And how not to give up on it no matter what. I think we need to understand, friends, it's a command in there. Do not give up on the habit of meeting together. So even when it gets crazy and busy, do not give up on the habit of meeting together. So I would implore you, those of you who feel like it's too busy, we need each other and we need you. We need each other and we need you to bring your kids. We need you to bring your chaos. <laughs> Sit down here uh, during worship like my kids were. Have a little energy. We need you here. Make church, I'll tell you this, parents. Make church a part of your life now and it will pay off for your kids later. I'm living proof of that. Not a perfect person or kid by any means, but it will pay off for your kids later. The final group I want to talk to you this morning are those who, uh, maybe you're new to faith in God. Maybe you're unsure if God is even real. You're unsure what being a Christian is all about. Maybe you've been coming to church, but in your heart, you are not too sure about all this. You see people raise questions online and social media you're a part of. Maybe if people knew exactly what you feel, in, feel deep in your heart about church, about God, they would be surprised. God wants you to know something today, and he wants you to know it every day. Hear me today, friends. God is not afraid of your questions. In fact, I would say this to you. I'll even double down. God welcomes our questions because he's big enough to answer every question. Ask him all because he's big enough to answer them all. If we truly, uh, as people on this earth, if we're wanting answers to the big things that gnaw at our hearts, then God is ready to speak. One of the keys, though, um, 
is that when we ask a question, we have to be faithful enough uh, to look for and to hear the answer. I found in my life, it's all over the Bible, and I found in my life the most important truths are often those that are hardest won. The things that mean the most are the things that are the hardest to get. And if you're here this morning and you're hearing this, and it just seems like everything in your life is unclear. Maybe you've been serving God for a long time, but man, it seems hazy. I believe that God would say to you this morning, take heart, because you're not alone. Because if we're honest, and we all should be, if we're honest, all of us have questions. But it's not just us that have questions, right? Look at this uh, incredible scripture. We're going to get ready to close. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. I'm reading it to you in the New Living this morning. The NIV is pretty similar. It says this, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. So you might, know, you might not know that 1 Corinthians uh, is that guy Paul that wrote Ephesians. He's the guy that wrote that. He's the author of much of the New Testament. As we said last week, perhaps the greatest missionary the world has ever known. And here's this guy Paul. And remember how Paul encountered Jesus. He was encountering or uh, persecuting Christians and uh, Jesus came to him on the road, struck him blind, knocked him down. But here's that guy, that same guy Paul. He's talking about how he doesn't understand it all. But the more questions he asks and the more he grows, the more God reveals to him. But for now, even for Paul, it was unclear. For now we see through our mirror dimly. And for now, friends, I get it. I'm with you. For now, the image can sometimes seem fuzzy. But as we press in, the image starts to become a little more into focus. And the reason it does is because we know exactly what James 1.5 tells us. Man, I so am grateful for the promises that are in the Word of God. And that in most cases, it's so black and white. James 1.5, if you are searching and hunting and asking and wondering where God is, man, write this down. James 1.5, New Living, says this. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. I love this part. He will not rebuke you for asking. And the world would like you to think the church doesn't want you to ask questions. There might be churches that don't want you to. This isn't one of them. Because I know what the Bible says. If you, need ask, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Ask our generous God. And it doesn't say he'll think about giving it to you if you pleased him that day. If you are a good boy... Uh, he will not rebuke you for asking. Just as he will give it to you, and he will not rebuke you. If you need wis- wisdom, ask our generous and loving God. You see, friends, the only one who is afraid of us asking questions is the enemy, the accuser of the brethren that we talked about last week. Because even the enemy knows that God has all the answers, he's the only one afraid of you asking questions. Because we know, right, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. 
as we see in Hebrews chapter 12. So why should you come to church even if you have questions? Because down by the river, there's answers to be found. And we need each other. And if you've got questions, man, we need you here. We need to have those conversations. The last thought I have for you, I said it before, and I just want to simply leave you with it. We are better together. Old, young, everything in between, we are better together. Well, we might not always agree. In fact, it would be really boring if we always agreed. But we are stronger together. And that's not just me saying that to make you feel good. Ecclesiastes 4.12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You know where I'm going next. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. No matter where you are, who you are, where you are on your journey, you should come to church because the river of life runs through it. And we need each other. We need to experience the river together. Would you stand with me this morning? We're just going to sing a little bit of this song, uh, God, You're So Good, as we get ready to close today.